0: Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. How many in this class are 70 and over? Let's see your hand. All right. Well, I found some things that I thought you would enjoy and here are some definitions and thoughts that somebody had over 70 it said dementia has been a smooth transition for me. Say amen. Uh, This person said he loves being over 70. I learn new things every day and I forget about five other things. This woman said she was going to get an out of order sign and hang it around her husband's neck. Another one said when I was a kid I wanted to be older and now what did I expect You don't realize how old you are until you sit on the floor and then try to get up, right? That's true of all of us. Well, we have a good lesson today. I think it's pretty good. It's on Elijah and his trouble. That's the title that you have there on the top of the sheet, Life Lessons from Elijah. Now, we began this series talking about the subject of suffering. How they, all of us have suffering. Suffering is not punishment. Suffering is from God and suffering is always to help us grow in the things of the Lord. And we found out about suffering last week. We'll look at King Hezekiah. Remember him? King Hezekiah had lots of trouble invaded by Sennacherib. Sennacherib was the king of the Assyrians. The Assyrians were really bloodthirsty, cruel people. And Uh, Sennacherib's kingdom was a farmer's. They weren't equipped for warfare. And he goes up, gets along with God, and the Bible says he spread it before the Lord. And that's the lesson we've got to learn. When trouble comes, we spread it before the Lord. Have we trials and temptation? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged, but what? Take it to the Lord in prayer. So Elijah faced a lot of troubles, and one of his Troubles that Elijah were going to find out about was that Elijah faced a very wicked king. In fact, one of the most wicked of all the kings in all the land of Israel. And that was a king by the name of Ahab. And Elijah is given the commandment by God to go hide yourself by the brook. And Elijah was having trouble, and then he has trouble on top of trouble, and then he has more trouble on top of trouble. So if you ever have troubles in your life, a good place to go is to study the life of Elijah and find out what he did when trouble came. Chapter 17 in First Kings is our beginning today, First Kings chapter 17, and it opens with Elijah confronting King Ahab. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, for for whom I stand, there shall not be due nor reign these years, which is going to come in three years, but according to my word. Now, there have been seven kings since the divided kingdom. After David died, the king and Solomon, then the kingdom divided. And there have been seven kings, and every one of them was bad. Every one of them was wicked. In fact, they got worse and worse and worse. And all traces of serving a God serving the Lord had been a race, And the man who was on the throne was a man by the name of Ahab. You remember his wife's name? Jezebel, right. Ahab and Jezebel. A very wicked duo. So, God sends Elijah. Now, we have, don't know anything about Elijah as far as his background, where he grew up or anything. We knew he lived in the land of Gilead and he was called Tishbite. Elijah the Tishbite. Now, there are five things in the first verse that God uses Ahab, or God uses Elijah to tell Ahab. Five things. Here we go. First of all, he wants them to know that God is the real God of Israel. God said, go ahead and tell him that I am the real God. Ahab was building buildings. He was building temples. He was installing priests and priestesses. Now, the women priests were actually uh, prostitutes. And that was part of the worship, was the wickedness of what was going on. And so then Elijah comes on the scene and Elijah reminds him that God is the true God. It was God who chose Abraham. It was God who uh, gave him a charge to go to the people of Israel. It was God who led the people to the promised land. It was God who knocked down the walls of Jericho. It was God who gave him these kings. And so God is the God. And that's the first thing he wants to tell it. You know, I believe America today has a different God, don't you? I think that as we live in a land of America today, America's got a different God. One God in our land today is a God of pleasure. And now, not necessarily today, but on the weekends, it's pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Going somewhere, camping, going, going, visiting, or whatever it is. And it's very alluring. And a lot of people get caught up in that. So there's a God of pleasure. And the other God is the God of possessions. We live in a land whose God is the God of possession. People worship their savings and worship their money and worship their retirement. And a man one time I was talking to about the Lord and the Lord was God. And he reached in his back pocket, pulled out his billfold and held up a $20 bill. And he said, Preacher, this is my God. This is my God. Well, he's going to find out one day that God will burn up. And that God is not eternal. Is God really your God? Is the question for all of us. Elijah means my, God is my king. El, God, God is my king. And Elijah was standing there. First The first thing he does, he says, I am God. I honor him. I call upon him. I walk before him, I begin my life praying to him, I trust in him for everything, he is my God. So he tells him, first of all, that Jehovah is the God of Israel. The second thing he tells him is that God is alive, before whom I stand. Ahab thought that God was dead. He thought there was no God, he was just a a God of the Israelites, but he really wasn't on a lie. He was no longer, no longer active. He was no longer involved. You know, your friends want to see that you have a God who's alive. I'm talking about your relatives. I'm talking about the people where you go to buy your groceries, where you go to get your gas, or where you meet people, where you work, if some of you do. But anyway, God, they want to know that God's alive. God is active. And Elijah was the one man in all of Israel... we know about who really believed god was alive i remember a story of harry ironside harry ironside was for many years the pastor of moody church in chicago had a great ministry there a great bible teaching ministry and one time harry ironside was going to debate an atheist and the atheist went on about about his his non-god about atheism and uh, Harry Ironside got up and he said, well, I'd like to make a challenge. I'd like to throw down a challenge to you. I'd like for you to bring five people who, because of atheism, their life has been changed. They, they are, are living a productive life, a better life. Their home has been restored. Their kids are good. Bring me five people that because of atheism, these things have happened. He said, then I'll bring you a 100 people By believing in God, it has changed their life. They've become productive people. They've become helpful people in the community. I'll bring you 100. You bring me five. I'll bring you 100. The atheists didn't take him up on it. because atheism doesn't produce that. Only Bible Christianity. So Ahab is sitting there. Elijah walks in. He says, Jehovah is God. Baal's not God. He says, Jehovah is alive. And I'm here to say that. And he says, I am God's servant before whom I stand. I am the servant of God. Now, Elijah was a normal person. He wasn't different from all of us. Elijah was a normal man. And his name means, my God is Jehovah. That's what Elijah means. My God is Jehovah. Friend, I think for us today, and I'm talking about us in, the, in, a, in our berean class a revolutionary thought is that you are god's representative if you just let that thought grip your soul for example you go down to go to the store maybe you go to kroger and you walk in in the store you meet people and you need you need to think i am god's representative here i'm representing god This is my job that God has for me. Now, I know I'm retired. I know I don't get a regular paycheck. But, friend, we are still God's representative. And and we are to be the representatives of God wherever we go. So Elijah stands before Ahab, and he says, Jehovah is God. Uh, Jehovah is alive. I am God's servant. And then he tells him another thing. He says, judgment is coming. I want you to know judgment is coming. Now, they were having a great time now. Baal, they were worshiping Baal, worshiping their sin, but he said judgment is going to come. It's a direct challenge to Baal. There'll be no rain. You know what Baal was? He was the God of fertility, and he was the God who produced crops. And so their very God was being challenged. And Elijah was saying, your God can't stand before my God. My God's going to stop the rain. Uh, We are called to be watchmen on the wall. That's God's call to us. And God wants us to be that people. So Elijah goes before Ahab, and he makes this announcement. There will be no rain, but according to my word. Now, the second thing he does is found in verses 2 to 5 you First got First Kings 17, that's verses 2 to 5. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, and it's before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and the flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. We'll stop right there. So Elijah goes down to the brook. <coughs> now, if you've seen Elijah heading out of town after he made that pronouncement to Ahab, you would say, where are you going, Elijah? Well, I'm going down to the brook Cherith. God told me to go there. What are you going to eat? Well, God will take care of that. What are you going to drink? God will take care of that. Is there a 7 nearby? No. How are you going to get your meds? He said, God is going to take care of me. Elijah was going, what I, I used to have a mess, message years ago, called Elijah at boot camp. Elijah at boot camp. How many of you men, or maybe women too, how many of you have been to boot camp? Can I see your hand? All right. Wasn't it a pleasant time? Don't you have these wonderful memories about boot camp and how how nice and comfortable it was, fun and frolic, games during the day, picnic every evening. Was that boot camp? Uh, Not on your life. Uh, Boot camp was harassment and pressure and everything you had to do in double time. Uh, And the reason for that, the Army has decided, the Marine Corps has decided to turn that recruit into another man. The whole purpose of boot camp is to change that person from being a uh, uh, Joe citizen. He's going to be a Marine now. And God has a boot camp for Elijah. God is going to change Elijah. We don't know anything about Elijah before this boot camp series took place. And so now he's going to be used by God. There's a man who wrote a lot of commentaries. His name was A.W. Tozer. Probably some of you've read some books by Tozer before. Here's one thing he said. It is doubtful that God can use anyone greatly until he has hurt him deeply. And a good God never uses anybody greatly until he has hurt him deeply. So Elijah goes down to the brook Cherith. God's command is to go hide yourself. Do you see that in verse number 2? Go hide yourself. Now, why would God want him to hide himself? Well, Elijah might have said, I'm a preacher. I I need to be on the street corner. I need to be preaching. God said, no, I want you to go hide yourself. That was to protect him because Ahab was going to be out hunting him. Ahab was going to kill him. And so God was going to use this series. So Elijah leaves the palace, goes to the brook Chariot, and he's obedient. The brook is a nice place to go. If you have a little vacation time, you want to go down by a brook and camp out, and listen to the bubbling brook go by, that's great, but you don't want to go to a brook for three years, and that's what happened. We think it's about three years after God says, hide yourself, then God says, now go and show yourself again to Elijah. We enjoy the Christian life. We enjoy a nice life, we, we have a nice life here, all of us do, we live in America. Uh, but you know, we think we deserve it. We kind of have the mentality, Lord, I deserve to have a life without any problems. Lord, I, I deserve a life that doesn't have any difficulties in it. And we think we deserve something better. Everything is going fine for Elijah. He's down by the book, every morning, the ravens bring in the food, And the water comes from a spring. So Elijah is down there. Everything's going fine. And then one morning, Elijah wakes up and it's very quiet. It's strange. You can't hear the brook babbling. And he goes over and looks in the brook. And it's a dry creek bed. Maybe some little puddles left over. And that is a picture of what's familiar with a lot of us. We are going along. Things are smooth, and then all of a sudden, our brook dries up. For example, your bank account gets lower and lower. You ever had that happen? Things go a little worse and worse. Your body gets more aches and pains, and especially those of us who are past 65 or 70 or even 80, we know that that happens in our lives. You're facing uncertain days. Your marriage is under a strain. Your children used to be your joy, and now the children are a burden to your heart. Now, when your brook dries up, and by the way, it will. There was going to come a day when your brook dries up. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know if you're going through a dried book experience right now, but I want to tell you from my years of pastoring and being a man of God and preaching the word of God, I have learned that brooks dry up. Let me tell you about one man whose brook dried up. That was a man by the name of John Bunyan. You remember John Bunyan? Read about John Bunyan? He was a pastor in a little town called Bedford, England, just a little small town. He was a pastor, but he was a dissenter, which means that he did not go to the Church of England. Now, the Church of England was the state church, and everybody had to go to that church. That was a rule of the law. We have separation of church and state here, but they did not have it then. And so the king issued a degree that John Bunyan had to preach in one of the Church of England churches. And John Bunyan wouldn't do it. He kept right on preaching in his own congregation there in Bedford, England. And because he refused, the king captured him, put him in jail, John Bunyan was in jail for 12 years because he would not join the Church of England. He would not preach from the Church of England. And so for 12 years, he was in Bedford Prison. His family was starving. He had a little daughter who was blind, and she would come over and beg her daddy to get out and come. If he just said, all right, I'll go preach in the in a state church, that would have been fine. He'd have been released, but he wouldn't. And John Bunyan faced... A brook that had dried up. And so in, in John Bunyan's life, the brook dried up. Now, when the brook dries up, like it says in verse uh, here in, in our verse, the brook dried up. What do you do when the brook dries up? Verse number eight. The brook dried up. And the brook dried up. And, and, uh, I can't read my notes. And the brook dried up. Because there had been no rain in the land. So the brook dries up. Now I've got eight lessons listed here. This is really the heart of the message, the heart of our thought. It's some lessons. If, if your brook dries up, difficulties come in your life, in your family, in your job, anywhere, anywhere. If you have a dried up brook, here's some lessons. First lesson is this. The God who gave the water has the sovereign right to take away the water. The God who gave the water. We think once God gives something, he shouldn't take it away. Isn't that right? For example, God gives you a mate, he shouldn't take that mate away. God gives you a child, God shouldn't take that child away. God gives you a job, God should not take that job away. God gives you good health, and he shouldn't take it away there's a verse I discovered one time it was a real help to me and I'm not sure if it's in your notes or not it's Isaiah 49 14 is that on the notes Isaiah 49 14 you may want to write this note this verse down Zion said my Lord hath forsaken me my Lord hath forgotten me you ever feel that way god has forgotten me i got praying i don't get any answer god has forgotten me but the next verse says this i love this the next verse can a woman forget her nursing child and then god says i have graven thee upon the palms of my hand they thought god had forsaken them they thought god had forgotten them but he hadn't god had not forgotten them god says you are engraved tattoo would be the word you're tattooed on the palms of my hand. It's pretty close. And so if God dries up the brook, that is God's prerogative as a sovereign God. Here's the second lesson, number two. We must be as willing to be by the brook as to be in the king's court. Now, it's probably pretty nice to go in the king's court, stand there, make the pronouncement for God. But God says, Elijah, now you've got to go and get alone. Three years, I want you beside the brook. That's the value of the hidden life. That's the value of spending time with God. Now, we are in this class. We're in the upper echelon of our church. We're the folks that are considered the uh, senior saints of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. And when we are older, our service is limited, right? They're not, we can't do a lot of things we used to do. And... Many folks say, "Well, God has put me by the brook Cherit. God has put me here in a, in a safe place." Paul, Paul was that way. Remember, Paul was put in prison, and the, Paul was preaching the gospel, starting churches. So the uh, rulers thought, "Well, we'll, uh, we'll take care of that. We'll, we'll put Paul in. We'll put Paul in prison." But did they put him, put him in prison? They did. But it didn't matter because there he wrote letters, and we have. What's called the prison epistles Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all of these came out of the prison when the rulers thought they were stopping Paul. Actually, they were expanding his ministry. So we must be willing to be by the brook or in the king's court. Here's the third lesson God's directions include God's provisions. God says, I want you to go down to the brook. And then God says, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. The ravens. Now, what do you know about ravens? Well, if you look up ravens, you'll find out they're scavenger birds. They eat dead flesh. An animal dies, the ravens go in, and they, they say, oh boy, banquet. And they, they have a nice, nice meal with all the scavenger things. They have little beaks. They don't have big beaks. And they can carry very little. But God says, I've commanded these scavenger birds to feed you. And I can see old Elijah down by the brook. And every day, the birds come in. The ravens come in. And in their little beaks, they have food for Elijah. God did something unimaginable by feeding Elijah from the ravens for over three or at least three years of time. I read one time a story about Vance Havner. Vance Havner was a man I really enjoyed. He was a a country preacher, and he died a few years ago. Vance Havner told an interesting story how that God provided, out of an unusual circumstance, uh, in the South, the main uh, income was from cotton, and the cotton fields were... Very, very good men made a good money. Very, uh, a very lucrative business was the cotton industry. But then there came along a little bug called a boll weevil, and the boll weevil got in the cotton, and they couldn't stop it. It was kind of like COVID-19. But the boll weevil got in the cotton, and all of a sudden, their cotton crop was was destroyed. And these people wondered, what in the world would we go do? And God had another man in the wing whose name was George Washington Carver. And George Washington Carver wanted them to change from cotton to peanuts. And they began growing peanuts. George Washington Carver found over 300 uses for a peanut, over 300. They could uh, have milk out of peanuts, They could have flour out of peanuts. They had dyes out of peanuts. They had plastic. They had soap. They had linoleum for the floor. They had oil. They had cosmetics. They had road paving material. All of this came from a peanut. And what seemed to be a tragedy turned out to be a blessing. And the men in, uh, in that time down in the south erected a monument to the boll weevil, an insect. That ate up their cotton crop and if you day you go to the town called enterprise alabama it's in southern alabama town of enterprise they have a big statue and on top of that statue is a boll weevil they thought the boll weevil meant their demise they thought the boll weevil was a great tragedy actually the boll weevil changed them and they began growing peanuts and became very very rich with the peanuts But God used what seemed to be a tragedy and turned it into a blessing. All right, let's keep going. Number four, Elijah had to learn the lesson to trust God one day at a time. That's one of the things at the brook. At the brook Cherith, God was teaching him one day at a time. Jesus said that in Matthew 6, 34, Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the king's of itself. For the things of itself for sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof how many have heard that before don't worry about tomorrow you heard that we've all heard that hundreds and hundreds of times but it's very difficult to look at tomorrow it's very difficult for us to look and plan ahead for tomorrow but god doesn't tell elijah what's going to take place he doesn't tell him that he's going to take care of him god just says you go there One day at a time, I'll be there, and I will help you. And Elijah had to learn that lesson. And then another lesson from the dried-up brook is a dried-up brook is often a sign of God's pleasure and not God's punishment. When you come to a dried-up brook, usually our first thought is, what did I do wrong? Why is God doing this to me? Why is my brook drying up? Friend, It may be that the dried-up brook is a sign of God's blessing. It's a sign of God's help in your life. A dried-up brook, let's see, letter F, a dried-up brook is not because God is finished with you. God was not finished with Elijah. He had many, many great things for Elijah to do. Elijah had to go on top of Mount Carmel, challenge the prophets of Baal, call down fire. God had lots of lessons for Elijah. He wasn't finished with Elijah yet. Elijah was in God's well, but the brook dried up, but God had better plans for Elijah. Then, letter G, the brook dried up to prove Elijah's faith. The last time Elijah heard from God, God said, Elijah, go to King Ahab and tell him there'll be no rain. So he did that, and he obeys God. Now, God doesn't speak anything for about three years. So Elijah's down by the brook, eating the food by the birds, drinking of the water, and the brook dried up. Now, is he gonna trust God again? Is he gonna wait on God? What's he going to do? So the brook dries up to prove his faith. And the last thing, the brook dries up to prepare his future. God is developing the faith of Elijah. And Elijah is going to stand in a few days On the top of Mount Carmel, he's going to trust God, call down fire from God to burn up the fire and lick up all the water around the trenches. God is going to increase his faith. He's learning that God always comes through. And that's the lesson I have to learn and you have to learn about the dried up brook. It doesn't mean God's upset. It doesn't mean God is displeased with us. But the dried up brook is a sign of the blessing of God. Now let's go over these one more time. The dried up brook. Here's the first lesson. The God who gave the water has a sovereign right to take the water. That's the dried up brook. We must learn to be willing to be by the brook and to be in the king's presence. Then, the dried up brook includes God's provision. God provided for, for Elijah. And Elijah had to learn to trust God one day at a time. That's probably one of the hardest lessons we have to learn is to trust him one day at a time. And then the dried up brook is not a sign of God's displeasure. It's a sign of God's pleasure and God's protection. And then the dried up brook doesn't mean God is finding fault with us, or God is finished with us, God has more to come. The brook dried up to prove Elijah's faith. Would he trust God or would he not? And then the brook dried up to prepare Elijah for even greater things. Elijah becomes one of the most powerful and popular men in all of the Old Testament, and God was getting Elijah ready. And here's what we're going to do. Next week, we're going to look some more of the troubles that Elijah has. The first trouble is down by the brook when he has to have water and food, and God took care of that. The next trouble he's going to have, he goes to see at a widow's house, and there her little baby dies. and she thinks God is punishing her. God wasn't punishing her. God has a reason. And then he's going to have the prophets of Baal up on top of the mountain. So we'll spend a little time with Elijah and see the faith that this man had as trouble upon trouble came his way. So if you like to read ahead in chapter 17 and chapter 18, you'll find many, many wonderful lessons in the life of Elijah. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. What you've heard has been an encouragement to you please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindie.org or check us out on Facebook. I'm on the Colonial Hills Podcast.